Amen. That is great news of Jesus' love for us. That, that initial love that, that gets the whole ball rolling of us loving Him and in return, and then Him sending us out as uh, carriers of that love. That, that we then have the opportunity uh, in, to give heaven to the world. To share that same sacrificial love with those that are around us. I mean, that, that is Jesus' charge then to the church. He, he, he loves us, He dies for us, brings us in, in order to form us into His people and send us out to, to give the world heaven. To, to give them heaven, literally. And, and really that is our mission, our, our vision. Whether it's, for, for some of you, a cute sticker, for others, a corny one. It, it doesn't matter. That captures the essence of really God's vision for us as His church. Even at Jesus' departure, remember, He, he told His disciples that you now will be my witnesses. As He ascended into heaven, the beginning of Acts chapter 1, you now are my witnesses. They're, the way they're going to know about me is through you, by watching you. And amazing as it is, that's the, the responsibility that we have. As Jesus told us, there's even a direct correspondence between what we as a church do on earth and what happens in heaven. Remember that he said, what, the sins you forgive on earth are forgiven in heaven. What, what you as church bind on earth is bound in heaven. What, what you loose on earth is, is loosed in heaven. Phenomenal opportunity and responsibility. What a charge that we have to be called Jesus' people, to love Him and to, to abide in that love and to share it with others with eternal consequence. And we, we talked last week about how one of the, the ways that we, we give them heaven is that we love one another like heaven. I mean, Jesus said, as, as you love one another, so the world will know that you are my followers. Now, as, as we come together, people of, of different races, economics, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, but as we come together bound, unified in Jesus, we witness to the world of Jesus' love. I mean, that was one of Jesus' greatest evangelistic strategies that He told the church before He descended into heaven. As you love one another. And we recognize that that's a challenge, that that's difficult, that this, this task of giving the world heaven is not something that, that we do in our own strength and ability. Matter of fact, in terms of, of being a, a, a diverse group of people, the church is largely a failure. Did you know that our neighborhoods are ten times more integrated than the Christian church in the United States? Public schools are twenty times more integrated than the church in the United States. It's a task that largely we have not done well with. But one that we here are going to hit head on and that we're still going to address 
and going to, to tackle because it's our promised future, as we said last week. You know, that's what's the story of Revelation, that, that people of every nation, tribe, and tongue are going to gather at the throne. So it's where we're headed, it's the trajectory, so we're going to be pursuing the ways of heaven on, on earth. And today, we, we also, uh, not just loving like heaven, but living like heaven. Uh, which, which, again, is, is a task that, that we as the, the church in the United States have, have not done that, that well at really promoting that and, and living that out. Because according to LifeWay Christian Resources, they do uh, uh, survey work in those uh, in populations outside the church. Those that are unchurched, the outsiders uh, from the church perspective. And, and ask them, you know, what is it? What are your perceptions of the church? And, and one of the, the top ones that are said is, well, it seems that they care more about organized religion than people. So again, you know, that's, that's a task, a challenge. A challenge that we're ready to take up. I mean, we, we want to change that perception for those that are around us, if indeed that is the perception that they had. Because we want to give them heaven. And we know the way of heaven, the way of living like heaven, is to develop within us an attitude of service. I mean, Jesus said himself, the greatest among you will be your servant. And so we want to be an army of servants in the likeness of Christ. That is one of the New Testament metaphors for the church is an army. You know, that, that we come together called for a, a common purpose, a common mission, and that we, we get trained up together. We have boot camp together. Maybe we should call Sunday mornings boot camp for an army of servants. Because that's, that's what we want to be. I mean, our highest rank is, is servant general. Because that is our Lord's call. And it's His name that He is the servant of all. So that's uh, our uh, task then to fulfill that commitment. That, that commitment of being an army of servants where we, everything we have, everything we are, we, we, we commit under the ways of Jesus, under the ways of heaven. And what we desire to, to live like heaven is that our knee-jerk reaction, you know, our, our gut response, then is to serve those around us, those that are outside the church, according to the very nature of Christ. Our passage this morning that will lead us in that direction is Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25, a conversation that Jesus has with, says a, a lawyer, and what that means is someone who is an expert in the religious law of, of the day. Um, I'm not trying to get the attorneys in our midst off the hook, but just wanted to let you know that's what um, the lawyer uh, is, uh, is in this particular passage. And one in which Jesus then tells the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for uh, this time together, we ask that your word would come alive within our hearts, our souls, our minds. Uh, continue in this time to form us into the character of Jesus, individually and as a church. 
so, so that we might be a witness unto you, that we might indeed live like heaven for those who don't know you, who need to know you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, it's Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25. It's found on page 844 in your pew Bible. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is an interesting story, quite a, a, a brilliant answer to a question from, from Jesus. See, the the religious person there, the the lawyer, the religious leader of the day, he he was wondering, what does he need to do to to go to heaven? And and we'll see throughout, he is focusing his attention on himself. Right? What what does he need to do to get to heaven? And then later on he asks a question uh, where he says he's trying to justify himself. And and Jesus um, then says, well, why don't you tell me? You know. You know the right answer. You know the answer to the question. The the, the problem is not the right answer, really. The problem is then applying the right answer. It's doing it. For he knows the great commandment. Love God with everything you got and love everybody else just like you love yourself. The, the, The religious leader of the day there, he realized that was the case. And he also realized just how impossible that was. Especially that part about loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, that means I, I love, I am just as concerned about what's in my neighbor's 
refrigerator as I am in my own. That I'm just as concerned at what is in my neighbor's bank account as I am in my own. That I'm, I'm just as concerned of my own children's reading level. I'm just as concerned as their children's reading level. Just as concerned as the financial aid package that my children get. And I'm just as concerned about the financial aid package that their children get. The religious leader knew that was impossible. So what he's doing, as any good lawyer would do, right? Looking for a loophole. Hey, let's see. Can can we redefine neighbor here? what, What exactly does it mean to be a neighbor? And then Jesus tells us, in a brilliant turn, how a despised outsider demonstrates to the insiders what service, compassion, and mercy look like when we love another, when we care for the needs of another, when we set aside ourselves for the benefit of another. Now, there's a couple things, just as we unpack this story, remember about this. That, that, that one, that there's no way. See, the, the, the attorney is trying to work his way into heaven. And Jesus is saying, you can't do it. Yeah. God's not going to lower his standards. And this is what it is. Love God with all you got and love your neighbor like you love yourself. That's it. That's the answer. Now, live into that. And you're never going to accomplish that perfectly. But that's, that's our pursuit. That is the way of heaven. A day will come when the Spirit has full reign in our lives and we will live that way. And that's what's called heaven. But there's no way to earn your way, to work your way into heaven. So just stop trying. Give up that task and believe and trust in me. Then you'll be freed to live for the good of others. When you're able to let go of your own stuff, your own desires, you're able to let go of that pursuit for yourself, then you can give yourselves to others more fully. You see, that's the truth of the the gospel, of the good news, that we are God's family. I mean, we are the army. You've already been drafted. And and there's nothing you you can do to, to add to your draft status. I mean, we've been called into the army because of the love of Jesus Christ. He has died for us. He has paid the price for our sin. He has secured our forgiveness. We are right with God because of what Jesus has done. And this lawyer is trying to make himself right with God because of what he had done. And he has to be freed from that lie in order to receive. The free gift of God, of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. What we've been singing about in all morning. Then Jesus tries to, to free, him that and free him from that and address the issues of the day because one of the big problems in Jesus' day was that the, the religious practices of the day, the, the religious leaders of the day had developed a heart, had developed a practice in in their own religious practices, they developed a heart and practice that separated 
them from serving the outsider. Instead of motivating them to serve the outsider. The religious practices of the day had been working in the very opposite direction of the ways of heaven. For they had separated the religious folks from serving the outsider instead of motivating them to serve the outsider. And that is the way of heaven. Motivating us to serve those who are outside the church. I mean, the Levite, the priest, the religious leaders of the day, what happened when they saw the outsider? They passed by on the other side. But it was the Samaritan, the one who was the outsider, who was despised. I mean, in, in, in first century Judaism, I mean, the Samaritan was worse than a Pittsburgh fan. You know, I, Kathy and I found ourselves at a baseball game yesterday at a, uh, and there was some kind of grunge concert that was, was going on. I mean, there was more tattoo than there were skin um, that I saw. And, and if, if it was showing, then it was pierced. And it, it, that was what was, was going on around us. And even, I mean, one of the groups was called Assault Machine. And one of the, one of the t-shirts said on it, a soul, S-O-U-L, hater. And one even had on the, on the chest, Satan. It, it would have been, in Jesus' story, like that man. With the t-shirt, Satan, he was the one that stopped and helped. For us to give him heaven, then we've got to ask a few questions. We've got to focus on our own heart before God. Are our practices, are we as a community, are we developing the habits that lead us not to separate from the outsider, but that motivate us in order to serve the outsider? Are we working together to develop a heart that is characterized by a non-judgmental care for those who don't know the love of God? Are we about developing within us, helping one another, develop a non-judgmental heart of care for those who are outside the community of faith? That's the reason that Jesus has saved us. He has, he has called us to be about that kind of army. When we gather, it's that kind of boot camp, a boot camp of the heart that frees us from being judgmental of those that don't know Him and softens it in such a way that we are motivated to serve those that don't know Him for the glory of God and for the salvation of those around us. Now, a few um, weeks ago, Andrew Wells, who's the director of uh, service and youth here, came up and, and, and preached with us and, and, and asked you to write him a note about the things that, that you're doing along these lines of serving others. 
And it was, uh, and he shared with me some of just the, the things that were going on in people's lives and how they're, they're trying to cultivate that heart by, by being out there, by, by, by caring for those, delivering meals on wheels, furniture with feasts of love, tutoring and, and mentoring, volu- giving themselves and, and volunteering in secular organizations, prisons, hospitals, different clubs in your communities in order to, to serve and continue to develop that heart of service. And that's, and that's awesome. I, I, I've got to tell you that for me, in terms of confession, as I seek to regularly preach the sermon to myself as well as to you, recognize that my religious practices don't help me here. And it's not so much because of mind of, of judgment of others, but just because of time and energy. And I recognize myself that I simply have to say no to some things in order to say yes to being in the midst of the world that don't know Jesus so that I might be a witness to Him. Maybe you have some of the same challenges yourself. But one of the ways for us to to be a a community, to continue to be that community, developing that heart, that that boot camp of the heart so that that we are continuing to grow in the way of of Jesus... Um, uh, Andrew uh, shared with me and got with a couple other folks in the church and was going to develop an op- just developed an opportunity for us in a couple weeks for a whole church uh, service opportunity, um, and so I asked him to come up and share that with us uh, of what we'll be doing. Good morning, Army O servants. <laughs> I like Drew. Uh, I think he gets us excited about the things we should be excited about. That's very cool. It's very good to be under your leadership. Uh, This morning, uh, he told me to bring one. I'm going to bring two, if that's okay, opportunities to serve. Uh, It doesn't take long to be in the life of this church to see that uh, we are about children. We are about people who are in poverty, uh, caring for those children and fighting against poverty. Would you say that's true? Amen. Yeah. Who here cares about children or people in poverty? Yes. You just volunteered for two things. Uh, Take that hand that you volunteer with, grab a pen. They're all in front of you and write down these two dates. Uh, The first one is May 30th. It is the last day of school for Cincinnati Public Schools. And I would like to have an army of servants go over to Pleasant Hill Elementary and help the teachers prepare for next year to kind of tidy up those rooms from this year. And a lot of the teachers are going to be moving rooms uh, to help them move to different rooms. This does not require you to be real strong. Uh, If you've met teachers, they are sometimes very messy. A lot of it is just picking up a lot of the mess, a lot of the mess of children, uh, a lot of the mess of teachers. Uh, and getting things ready for next year. But I think more than anything else, it's going to Pleasant Hill, who has been a, I don't know the term, but I think academically failing for almost a decade or maybe even over a decade. Is it okay for us to have a school in our neighborhood that is doing that poorly for a decade? Is it okay? Thank you. I heard one no there. Let's do it again. Is it okay? Yeah. Hey, what? I didn't even know you could do that in this service. Wow, that's great. Uh, It's not okay, and I think that's what an army does. It says, these are things that are not okay, and does something about it. So, May 30th, last day, Cincinnati Public School starting at 2.30. I would love for all of us to go there and say, we love you, teachers. We love you, Shauna, the principal, and we're here to serve you and get you ready for next year as well. So, May 30th. The second one, which is really fun and super easy for us to sign up for, is uh, June 10th, I believe. Uh, It's a Sunday. It's during the foundation hour. We're taking a break from foundation classes. There's one week in between, so I said, can I steal that, and can we do a service project? 
Uh, and Drew said, yes, we can do that. Uh, so right after you walk out of here on uh, June 10th, you don't even have to write this one down. You just walk out of here. And what we're going to do, I met with the librarian uh, over at the, the library here in College Hill. And they, she said the greatest need that she has is for kids who are hungry. Is it okay for kids to be hungry in College Hill? No. Hey, that, yeah, you got it right. No. It's not okay. And there are a lot of kids who are hungry. Either their parents can't afford food or they're not present. Uh, and so they hang out at the library all day, which is a great place for them to hang out. Uh, and a lot of times they don't have food. So, they, so she, she asked me, Miss Arnie, she said, can you pack food uh, for kids while they're at the library? So June 10th, we're going to walk out of here and we're going to pack food for kids at the library for the summer. So that's it. Thanks, man. And those are wonderful, simple opportunities for this army in training uh, to be like the Samaritan and, and step not on the other side, but into the, the needs that are simply on the side of the road in our own um, community and ways for us to prayerfully be seeking God, not only to, to care for those in our need, in, in, in our midst, but also to continue to form in us that heart that is like Christ. To, to form in us the, the habits that help us not separate ourselves, but motivate us to engage with those around us in our need, that are in need around us, and develop in the power of the Holy Spirit, for it's only by the Holy Spirit's power that our hearts are changed to, to places of, of non judgmental care for those who don't know his love, his grace, and his mercy. Amen.